Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! It's a guest! It's a guest! Sakes alive, well, I'll be blessed, guys, gays, girls, ghouls, everything in between. Welcome to another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Welcome. It's going to be a fun one because, guys, this episode, we are blessed. We're very lucky to have a, a guest, a talented guest. A cast whose career is blossoming before my very eyes. And I'm very lucky to say this is a friend of mine. And uh, I'm super excited to have this actor, a queer actor, an openly gay actor on our show, and one with some really awesome credits coming up. Guys, our guest today is the one and only Chris Wolf. Hello, hello. You are too kind, Roger. What an intro. Oh my God. I I, I specialize in intros. Ask Troy. <laughs> right, Troy? <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. We have some of the best intros out there. <laughs> Musical numbers, big ones. Um, <laughs> but a special one for you, Chris, because I'm so excited. We've been talking about having you on for a while, and uh, that only fueled my fire more knowing that you have this title out right now in circulation that's getting a lot of love and attention, uh, especially for you. Um, that is a, it's a horror title, and I, I recently watched it. The movie's called Hideout. Um, it's available to stream all over the place, including on Amazon. And um, I was extremely impressed. And not just because you're my friend. I was just straight up impressed with the quality of the story being told and the craftsmanship that was awesome on display executing it. I mean, like, all around, man, I am impressed. So congrats to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Roger. I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And like, go ahead and give us a little run through, if you don't mind, like for listeners, people who may not be familiar with it. Um, I just wanted to verify that I'm saying the name right because I keep fucking up. Chris Roselli, right? Yep. Chris Roselli. Chris yep. Roselli. Mm-hmm. Writer and director. Um, I definitely want to see more of his work after this because this film is super cerebral. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just it just hit all the right notes for me. Um, but yeah, give us a quick plot rundown just to, for listeners so they you know are aware of what the story is being told. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Hideout is a uh, paranormal thriller horror uh, feature. And it is about three, four criminals, just kidding, four criminals who uh, do a little kind of like heist and they get in a little bit of trouble. So they hide out at a random house nearby and things kind of go south from there. You're not really sure at that point from which uh, who's the bad guy and who's not. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely, I mean, I like a movie that plays tricks with me as the viewer. Sure. I don't I don't like to be able to predict things. And this movie yeah. takes some fucking sharp ass turns that really threw me. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan. Uh, there's some, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a few sequences in this film. And I mean, this is a re- relatively small production. You can tell like this is an indie film at, at, its, at its heart. For sure. Uh, but there are a few areas here that really like the CGI, the practical effect. I mean, there are some practical effects in this that just, so 
Yeah, let me tell you. So yeah. the CGI, the CGI looks phenomenal. They got the CGI done by someone who worked on Game of Thrones. So that was like inevitable, like, okay, that was going to look sweet. And it does look really, really nice. The guy who does the practical effects, wonderful, wonderful dude. I really, really enjoyed him as a per person. His name was Rich Hill. He taught himself how to do practical effects off of YouTube and has only been doing it for, I don't know exactly how long, but not a super long time. And I was so wildly impressed with his skill set, even at this point in his career, it was awesome. Man, let me tell you, there is one specific effect towards the finale that is very much, I will say, the focal effect. I feel like if people, if you like read reviews about this, I bet, I bet you anything that this is being brought up because it's just done so well. Uh, there is an effect on display very much like out in the open for a, a good chunk of the finale on one of the characters, something that happens to them that is mm -hmm. so well done and expertly crafted. Like I was, it enhanced the whole finale for me just because it was on display and so like visible for sure. And just so well done, you know, it was just really well done. So kudos to the team behind that all across the board. I'm so happy you're involved with it and you've been getting a lot of really positive reception for this project for your role in it. Yeah, I have. It's been um, which nice. has, that has to be very awesome. Yeah, it, it is really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you recently, I know you've taken home a couple of awards um, for this, but it's definitely deserved. I just want to acknowledge that again, not just because you're my friend. Like I just, I love seeing good talent on display. So good for you, man. I'm really proud of you. And um, thank you so much. I know you have a few things coming up here uh, in the near future. Like so yeah. quickly, you've got like, like all right, you're like, hideout's done and on to the next. And again, I this know. looks phenomenal. What's this new project? Tell me a little bit. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm like actually doing big things just because right after quarantine let up, I filmed like three movies right back to back. So now they're all coming out at the same time. <laughs> yeah. That and you're, I mean, you always look like you're doing big things because your hair is so good. No matter what, it elevates every photo. You've got the best hair. But go on, tell us about this new project. <laughs> So uh, the next one I have coming out, it's called uh, Airborne, and it's uh, it's about to premiere on February 2nd in select AMCs all over the East. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited for that one. And then after that, I have another one coming out called The Sim Racer. I don't know how they're doing The Sim Racer as far as distribution or, or premiere or anything like that, but uh, that will be um, to be seen, I suppose. She famous, Troy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> she likes to pretend. <laughs> Too big for her britches. Right? <laughs> no. No, I'm so like I can't imagine it happening to a better person. And I love I love that's happening, like not to be cliche, but the three of us this applies. I love that's happening to a queer talent that I know. Um I mean like it's not often yeah. that I get to see one of my friends who is a person on this LGBTQ plus spectrum, wherever they may fall, that gets, you know, a series of successful releases so i mean that's i just hope it fucking keeps up you deserve it you're awesome so and you're super talented definitely i, I appreciate that thank you very much definitely and i have to say i feel like this week we selected i didn't even know this going into this i hadn't watched hideout yet i saved it for you know coming up to actually the review because i wanted it to be mm -hmm. fresh i wanted to talk about it a bit the title of the ritual we agreed on a while ago and like i thought it was gonna be a perfect title because it's a drama with some really strong male acting. So I thought like it would give you something to talk about, Chris, mm -hmm. like to like kind of, you know, bite your teeth and do something meaty. But then like upon watching Hideout and some of these like cerebral, surreal moments that take place in the movie, even though they're two completely different stories, uh, it occasionally hits some of these tones that I was like, wow, 
these two like complement each other really well for a review today. So I think this is a really good title to talk about. What was your takeaway after watching The Ritual? How did you feel? Um, I really liked The Ritual. Uh, I told you previously, you know, when we talked about doing this a few months ago, I am not someone who is super well-versed in horror. However, since doing Hideout, I have been just watching horror, like, nonstop. I'm just, like, trying to get myself into it and really try and, like, sink my teeth into it. Uh, I was never a big fan because I am the jumpiest person in the whole world. Like, and that that uh, that enhances our experiences. I have to say, right, Troy? <laughs> Having a friend who like res- I don't respond to horror anymore. So oh, for like God. to have a gay friend that jumps. <laughs> yeah. So I love that you still respond to the material. Like, we we need you. <laughs> God, someone sneezes too hard, like ten feet away from me, and I'm jumping. Like it's it's ridiculous. But anyways, after watching the ritual. It was one of the first ones that I really started with when I started watching horror, and I really, really liked it. Anything folk horror, anything, you put a pair of antlers in there and some spells, some witchy stuff, I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm oh my God. Put it on me. Like, now yeah. that I want those fucking antlers, my God, they're so powerful right. and grand. Hell yeah. uh, <laughs> and Troy, I like, I didn't even know this. You brought this to my attention. I think I uh-huh. heard before that it was a novel, but you yes. mentioned, you've yeah. read, have you read the I novel? I read the novel when it first came out. I read the novel before it was ever even going to be a film. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's actually... Well, as we talk about the the plot and whatnot, I'll, I'll kind of, I don't really want to compare the two, you know, I don't want to turn it into that, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that I wish that the film would have taken from the novel that I think would have made the film a little bit more cohesive. But I know, I know when you're adapting a, a novel into film, it's hard to, to include everything, but I'm just going to tell you, if you have not read the novel guys and you love the movie, you must read the novel. Cool. Good to know. I have not read the novel, so I am. It fills it fills in so much. Any questions that you might have about things that happen in the film, the novel definitely answers them. Awesome. That I mean, sign me the fuck up. I love a good horror novel in general, but um, I, I I love this movie. So and the writer Adam Neville, he's kind of started to make a, a pretty prominent name for himself in the horror field. That's what it seemed like when I was researching it. Yeah. No one gets out alive. The yep. ritual. He just had another one come out. I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, he's, he's really starting to make a name for himself. I just got to say that I feel like I put together the perfect title for today between, between Chris, your talents and Troy, <laughs> your knowledge that I don't have to bring to the table about like, you know, so much more about this movie <laughs> than I even, <laughs> I had no idea. Like you're going to be filling in a lot of little gaps and questions I may have then Troy, which is really cool. Cause the, if you have a good knowledge of the book, I just, I have questions. I do. I love the movie, but I have questions. So this is perfect. But yeah, but so before we like dive into this and really dissect it, uh, Chris, I really want to give you a platform and I'm going to give you a platform again at the end of this, but I just want you to state now, like, is there anything right now that you have a hideout specifically available about available on that you want to pump up or promote before we move into the actual breakdown review, anything that you want to kind of throw out there for the fans that are listening to really know about you, seek you out, look you out on social media. Can we get a moment of that right now real quick? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, You know, we already talked about hideout. Airborne, Sim Racer, those are all three that are coming out. Um, also, as far as social media goes, I'm C Wolf, W O L F E, my last name, C Wolfman4. That's my Instagram. Um, other than that, that's about it. Yeah, I will give you a platform again at the end of this, but listeners, just make sure you give Chris a follow. He's doing some big fucking things right now. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and you were, and I just, I, I, I've been meaning to mention this because you, Hideout, actually, you have um, yeah. Brian, Brian Enright is mm-hmm. in Hideout with you, correct? Yeah, okay, me and him have been social media friends for quite some time, and he used to do, I, I think he may still do it, but he used to, with a group of friends, used to do a podcast that I was on a couple times, so yeah, I have I have some connections to Brian, yeah, 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 so it's awesome. Oh, cool, nice, Brian's a great dude, he is super, super sweet. Yeah, Brian, like, takes this role and fucking runs with it, too. Yeah, so super talented, and we're actually I, I spoke to him about having him on the show uh, down the line in a few episodes too. So maybe we'll be having that very knowledgeable guest come on and join us. I'm excited. He is. I mean, talk about knowledgeable. He knows. Freaking yeah. Everything oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. We we appreciate that for sure. Um, but yeah, so the ritual. Um, this film, I became aware of it when it dropped on Netflix, like most. Um, and going into it being a Netflix film, I, I wasn't expecting a ton of it. So when I walked away from this film feeling the way I felt, I was extremely pleasantly surprised. Um, I went back and I rewatched it multiple times, but I think we've got a movie here that one of the reasons it succeeds is it tells a very like personal, simple story of like loss and overcoming grief. And I think one of the reasons this excels as a piece of cinema uh, is because it's pretty intimate between a small group of, of actors. Uh, it's four focal friends that we're following on this trip. Um, and even though these personalities, like, they're not, like, largely defined, these guys are, like, average everyday guys. Yeah. It makes it extremely realistic to me. Uh, the whole setup, everything about these characters is very believable to me. Uh, and on top of that, performed very well. And I think it's going to be a fun title to talk about is just because of the uh, simplicity of this really kind of like sad, sensitive human story. Um, The film is very similar, in my opinion, to another title. And I know we're going to get into this, but I want to throw it out right now. Uh, It's very, very similar to the uh, 2000s flick, The Descent, that I know a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Uh, Chris, have you seen that one before? I have. It's been a few years, but I have actually seen that one, surprisingly enough. Some very similar themes. Similar themes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would... Yeah. The- thematically, yes, you are correct. They're very similar. I-, I think the film, to me, has a little bit more in common with maybe like the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, I saw that in a lot of or, reviews bringing that up. Or the original. There's a film called Rituals. Uh, from the late 70s with Hal Holbrook that this definitely has a lot in common with. And I'm wondering if that connection in terms of the title and everything is uh, was purposely done. Have you seen the have you seen Rituals, Roger? No, it, no, I'm not, no. OK, no. it's on, it's it's on. They just put it on uh, Shutter. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. I think you'd be you're going you're gonna to be very surprised at the similarities. It's it's four, it's four friends that go into the woods for a hunting trip. Um and are pretty much stalked by an unseen entity that you don't find out about until the end. So definitely check it out. I think the the similarities there are pretty strong as well. Nice, nice. Chris, do you have Shudder? I do. As someone who's... I do indeed. You do? Oh, I'm so proud. I do. Excellent. I got it. The first step. Yeah. I've had it for like <laughs> two months, and I've probably watched like 50 plus movies. a girl. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. I'm trying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, similar to The Descent in style and structure and themes i would say like both open with a life-shattering loss that massively impacts the focal character and that's something that that character carries with them throughout the entirety of the film 
Um, the dialogue is extremely natural and it's very realistic between this group of men. And while most everyone within that group is like very mild mannered and understated, they each still have these like defined personalities that come yeah. forward and skill sets. And I'm like, I just love how these characters are played. I feel like these are anybody's that you could meet anywhere, and it's done really well. Yeah, it is super natural. The dialogue and the banter and the, just the general dynamic between the four of them, it feels really fleshed out and super natural. Troy, are the are the characters in this, like, is it st- is it four friends? Is it that dead on to the book? Oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, the ba- the basic story is exactly the same. It's just there. there's a lot more... Uh, my problem with the film, and I'll, I'll just mention it right off the bat, is I feel like there are a couple of the, I would say, well, maybe maybe one of the friends in the in the film, the Phil character, really in the film gets shortchanged. I don't feel like the Phil character in the film has a lot to do. No. He's kind of forgotten a lot of times. It's kind of in the background. So the dynamic between the four of them for me at times doesn't really feel authentic because there's not a lot of focus on Phil or even Dom in a certain aspect. It seems to me like the, the focus is Luke and Hutch through most of the film until obviously what happens to Hutch happens. Right. Uh, I felt like the book did a little bit better of a job of giving all of the characters kind of their moment and, 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 and a, and a story. Uh, so that you felt a little bit more connected to them because a lot of times I was getting like Phil and Hutch in the film confused. Same. They look similar. They have like a similar kind of, and like I said, Phil really doesn't have much to do in this except Mm -mm. the one scene where he gets naked in front of the thing. Right. That's about it. Yeah. But we can get into it. If you want to go, we can start and and just kind of move our way through the film and, 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 yeah. yeah. Do our do our thing, Roger. All do right. our thing. Let's dive on in. You ready, Chris? And jump into the deep end. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Dark night of the podcast. Let's go. Um <laughs> uh, so okay, after um like after a night of drinking, this group of friends that we have established, which is a group of five friends at the time, um, they're discussing taking a trip to what is called the King's Trail, which is a part of the Appalachian Trail in Sweden. And the member of this group that's kind of spearheading it is Rob. He seems to be kind of the outgoing, lively personality of the group. He's definitely played to be like super likable right off the bat. And so he's kind of pushing for this idea and everyone else is very reluctant. Um, And so as they're kind of walking through the town, it leads up to this moment where the character Luke, who is already buzzed up, or it's pretty clear, wants to go get a bottle of alcohol. And so Rob is the only one that agrees to go with him. And they share this moment where they go into this convenience store together alone. And they're kind of rambling to each other. And in the middle of this kind of like brief conversation where they're kind of sharing a little moment, they hear some commotion. They turn and they see in this very effective shot, they just turn and they notice that the employee is beaten up beside the counter, just laying there. And it leads to what is the reveal of the store being held up and these two punks look over and notice Rob, but the character of Luke has kind of managed to hide back behind the cabinet or behind the, like the row of, of, um, of drinks. He's hidden himself next to like the cooler. Mm -hmm. And so um, he manages to hide himself as these guys confront Rob and take his watch, take his wallet, try to take his ring. He refuses and they beat him with a bat. 
or and or is it a no? Yeah, they beat him with a bat, right? I think or it's pipe. a pipe. Yeah, it's a pipe. Yeah, it's like a metal pipe. I think yeah, it's a yeah. Pipe. So yeah, and so I uh, and there's this really effective shot where you see like the wound opening up on his head, and he is killed. And this is how we open the film. This is the introduction that we get to this movie. This really traumatic moment. Yeah, I do like that, you know, you with the friends right away, you, you are it is established that they have been friends for a, quite a long time because before they get into before they go to the liquor store, they're in a pub drinking and what are they they're, they're discussing where they're going to take their annual trip. Um, it seems like they have this tradition where every year they they take a trip together. So different suggestions are thrown out Amsterdam and it, it, it's it's really like you said, it's Robert's big his big push is to, to go hiking in the in the Swedish, you know, through the Swedish countryside. But it is established right away that these guys have a connection. They've been friends for a long time. They have this tradition uh, that they're super excited about. So then when what happens happens and it's pretty brutal, I think it, it is a little jarring. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely a, a very effective way to open the film. It gets you it hooks you right away for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's perfectly timed. It's a brief they kind of thrust you into the movie right off, right off the bat, right after that. But, but this opening sequence is it's well played. Yeah. That's another thing I, I really like is right after this opening sequence, it actually cuts to um, Luke waking up. Oh, from, I loved that. Yeah. yeah. From a dream. And he's already, you find out they're already, they're already doing the hike. They're already intense. They're already in the Swedish countryside. Uh, so it, it jumps ahead six months. So there's really no, there's no, we don't see any sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Consequences or. Um, right. Any of the back stuff there. Any of the, any of the, you know, the, 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 the stuff that happens from Rob's death. We don't get to see any of that. It just cuts to their, they're in the, they're on this trip. They're, they're there in full force and they are doing it basically to honor Rob. Yeah, they, they did a really good job of handling us, or of handing us, pardon me, a really like tightly packed <laughs> introduction to what is this big event and establishes like exactly where these characters are at today. Their dynamic has definitely changed after the loss. We explore that a bit, but it's it's honestly like it's already a sad setup. Going into going into what's about to happen, it's already like but that was the that was kind of the cool part about it was just that it went immediately from this like traumatic moment straight into grief and catharsis. And so it like throws you into this like weird, weird whirlwind where you're just like, all right, so let me get my bearings the same way that these characters are like trying to seek this catharsis and, and go through this grief at the same oh, time. That was so nicely worded. Oh, we Troy, we got a real one on this week. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! Well, I would have to up my vocabulary. No, <laughs> but yeah, no. <laughs> Catharsis is a great term for this film because the journey for this one character that we're going to go into in a moment, there is a huge element of catharsis with him for sure. Letting go of of some of these burdens he carries with him, internalized burdens. Um, and I think so. I, I, I like the term character study. I like when a movie gives us a nice character study. This movie, I would say, um, the character of Luke is a character that very much appeals to me as an actor. Let me tell you, let me play a Luke someday. Because this, this character is going through things. Is the character written similarly in the book as well, Troy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think the book does the exact same thing where it cuts from the prologue 
to right away they're in the the wood i mean yeah it's it's like i said the the film follows the book pretty damn close there's just a lot of there's just a little there's some stuff that's not included that i wish they would have but um yeah i do you know they we do find out that um they are they are on this hike for rob's memory because right right after everyone wakes up they they chat a little bit and then they all hike to the top of this hill to lay out a memorial for for robert they have this picture they have you know some stuff they each say a little word they they take a, a drink of, of whiskey uh dom dom this character of dom right away you do get the sense right away that he is definitely the um who what the, the antagonist to to, to luke because he makes all these little jabs throughout the movie that become obviously more and more pointed. But as they are there, as they are doing this, they're honoring Robert with this little uh, uh, thing they made. Rob or Dom has to say in the middle of it, well, that should have, should have never happened. And he kind of looks at, uh, at Luke. Right, and then it has the shot straight yeah. to Luke, and it's just like, oh. <laughs> so you 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 are you you get th- that tension between the two characters very subtly. Another thing about Dom that I, I acknowledge is comparatively, okay, you've got the lead character of Luke who is very much uh, going through his own you know emotional journey right now. As we learn more and more over the progression of the film, what he's really dealing with after the loss of Rob, and then you've got the two other guys who are very understated. The only character that is played a, a bit bigger, and it's just because he's like the, the one who's like stressed and high strung and bitchy, is Dom. Like Dom's personality right. contrasts the other three in a way that makes him stand out just simply by existing. How he does, you know? Uh, he has like this kind of whininess quality that makes him instantly unlikable. And that, that only adds to his antagonistic kind of elements. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he gets a little grating after a while. Yeah, he really does. He drove me a little crazy. At He's constantly complaining. And and honestly, I think in the book, it's even worse. Really? Yeah. It's played well, though. Like, I mean, it, it helps. I want a character in this group to like less than the others. You need some kind of inner turmoil amongst this group. To, you know, For sure. Sparked amongst them. They can't all just be like nice British dudes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Though I would love that. Uh, <laughs> but, but so, uh, you know, they have this moment with this memorial, like the shrine that they build that you mentioned, Troy. And it's, again, it's brief, but it's lovely. They all have a drink and then they pour the rest out in his memory. And they start to take this hike and we have this beautiful sequence of them moving towards what is this heavily treed area that you're starting to see, like, you see the hillside, and it's all, like, grassy. I mean, where they filmed this, it's like a misty paradise. It's it's so beautiful, but... it's Yeah, it's beautiful. They filmed it in Romania. Oh, yeah, I mean, it is it is breathtaking. It looks like a fairy tale. But it also looks... Hor- it's, like, foreboding and horrifying at the same time. Uh, oh, yeah. And so they're moving towards what is this, you know, extremely thick wooded area. They, they are going to cut through this forest, um, or at least it ends up being that way because something happens that kind of adjusts their plans. But, you know, as if it wasn't bad enough, it starts raining. And while discussing where the placement of a man's bridge is, which is the, the area, the perineum, which is the taint, <laughs> Dom manages, while, while Dom is like bitching, <laughs> he manages to slip on this rut uh, in the road. And of course, like within minutes of this, this beginning, he has twisted his ankle. 
And so not only is Dom the most annoying character, but he's given this aspect of like pain that continues throughout the rest of the film that he's bitching the whole fucking time. Yep. The whole fucking time. (laughs) Well, yeah. And (laughs) they Hutch explain, you know, Hutch tells him, Hey, we still have a long way to go. You know, are, are you going to be okay? And he says, yeah, I'll be okay. And Hutch, pulls Luke to the side and says, you know what? He's probably actually faking <laughs> and he's going to get to the point where we're probably going to end up have to carry him out here. Yeah. So Hutch suggests a, a shortcut and the shortcut is that they uh, cut through this very dense forest. Uh, of course, the guys at first are like very hesitant, but he's like, Hey, this is going to cut so much time off our trip. But by, by tonight we'll be in town at the pub. So everyone, agrees yo dom dom was all about it at first yeah so they head through the forest and of course while they're heading through the forest dom is bitching about saying they should have went to vegas instead and i'm like dom i hear you i would much rather be in vegas as well too (laughs) though upon like first visual and again troy this is the reason i'm the one that would die upon like first experience of this location this locale i'm like enchanted i'm like all on board it's not until it starts raining and gets really horrible that i'm like god damn it this is never mind this is not up my alley but just from a visual standpoint it looks beautiful so uh one thing i like is that the movie even like though they're still kind of in relatively high spirits the movie starts to take a pretty ominous tone right off the bat. Like you start getting these really like eerie shots through the trees and everything, which become very like distorted, makes it clear. It's hard to see what's moving around you. They start to, yeah, it's disorienting even for the, the watcher. Extremely disorienting. That's the perfect word. Um, And yeah, and it's very much, it's something that carries on over the progression of the film. And in turn, they use it in their favor for some of these scare moments coming up later Mm -hmm. that they have. Um, But I really like that the movie starts to just right off the bat, take this very like bleak, ominous tone in the approach to the story, even though the characters are, you know, they're still making their way to their destination. Aside from the knee injury, they're just, you know, they're a little hindered, but they're still feeling fine about it. Well, and the sound design too, because right, right, right as they, right when they enter the the woods, the forest, you start to hear faintly in, in the background during dialogue scenes or when they're walking, yep. you, you do start to hear like this, like gro- like faint growling, and you you, mm-hmm. you start to hear like the, clicking, clicking, and the, the sound of like branches breaking. It's very soft, but you do hear it. Uh, so yeah, it's like the minute they enter those woods the tone of the film, the ominous tone kind of kicks into high gear. I think Uh, it becomes rainy, foggy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The sound design and the score I I thought throughout the entire thing was really awesome. Yeah. And the cinematography. Yeah. It's, it's, and that's why I said when I watch this on Netflix the first time, I kind of, I mean, not that I'm expecting shit from Netflix, but it's like, I kind of, I've seen so many movies on there that haven't affected me. When I watch this, this is like, this feels like a cinematic experience. It's beautifully done. Yeah, I mean the film looks great. The film looks stunning. I mean they did a, they did an amazing job production wise with this film. Yeah, yeah, and like like you said, the audio like they even have a bit of dialogue as they're entering this wooded area where they um they stumble upon like this kind of abandoned car at one point. It's from like the '60s, and they have this little bit of dialogue about like how when you enter the woods, it becomes so quiet because of the trees soak up all of the sound around them, and so that's why it just sounds so like empty and they really like play that into the movie's favor as it progresses because every little like 
twig breaking, rustling of leaves, movement, uh, the branches and, and everything moving, that's heightened. You hear all of it, and it really adds to the atmosphere of this movie. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely very atmospheric throughout the entire thing. And they even come out. They even come across like this old abandoned like van that's just out in the middle of the forest. Right, it's just kind of weird. Like, how the hell did that get here? And if that's not fucking foreboding, like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. come on, <laughs> they should have known better. But whatever, these poor yeah, because there's British like men. no there's like no road or anything leading to this. Yeah, it's just right. out in the middle of the woods. And Phil does have to make the comment that he got a hand job at a concert in one of those vans. <laughs> well, and there's one thing to acknowledge that I did not even tie into until I watched it at this point. And I don't know if it's necessarily intention, but you know how later on in the movie they find that abandoned tent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's this car from that era broken out, broken, broken down over there. I wonder if that's meant to be tied together. I think the, I think the wallet, the ID, I think it was from the 80s. He, like it expires in 1984 is what he said. So it could, I mean, who knows? It could have been 1981 for that, but for that, a family to own a vehicle like that. I don't know. I'm just, I just. I'm tying little things together just because I think the story that this, this tells a very cohesive story. It is a piece of folklore. That's what's so interesting about it. It's a piece of folklore in of itself. And it tells this tightly knit little fable about a character kind of overcoming these demons by facing a literal demon or a God, you know? Um, but it keeps that folklore element to it the whole time. It's very intriguing, but yeah, so they're, they're making their way through the woods and the character of Dom is, injured but muscling through it and they start discussing what they want to eat upon their return home and it's ranging from juicy steaks to big macs and then in the middle of talking about like all of these meaty items they stumble upon what is a, the corpse of a, a massive deer like <laughs> crucified amongst the trees they just they stumble intestines hanging like it's freshly dripping um and it's, just, and it's just like, they turn the corner and they're like, oh, and it's just there. And um, strong fucking image to have the first, this be the first real piece of gore in the movie, you know? Yeah, it's up, it's it's hanging up high in the trees. And this is an elk. This isn't, yeah, this is something that you would have to have. Yeah, it was big. Yeah, you'd have to have some strength to get that motherfucker up there. And, mm-hmm. and of course, they're they're freaked out. They're... Uh, they're wondering who could, who could have done that. And oh, maybe it's hunters. But obviously... To get that thing up in the tree, I, it's not going to be a human that does that. But they, they, uh, they, they, they do have the the wherewithal to actually see that it's still bleeding, and to get the hell out of there because it's a fresh kill, and whatever did it is could still be very close. I like the moment where one of them suggests that it's a bear, and the response of one of them is like, "Do bears do that?" Like they're like they're like, "What the fuck?" I mean, like bears gonna fucking eat the it. response <laughs> here is very um. Well, again, well played. It is exactly as I would respond to probably finding an elk hung amongst the trees. So, I, but it's just, it's a great effect. The intestines are like hanging down to the ground. And one thing that's really, um, I guess, in, intriguing to me is something I think into now having watched this multiple times is when you think of what the result is, what the outcome is of, the, of this movie, the, how these things are getting in the trees, because you find out this is a theme, this is happening. The fact that this specific entity would do this to even deer and elk makes it that much more horrifying to me. <laughs> like it's bloodlust for like anything living. Like, I mean, like 
no wonder there's no animals living in this fucking forest because there's this this thing is fucking hanging them like fucking decor. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a great first startle moment, and it adds like this just intimidating foreboding element to the rest of the film. The characters are shaken by it, and they definitely like do not shake it off. Um, so night's falling, the storm is coming in. There are fucking elk hanging from trees, and pretty soon it's literally like a monsoon, and they're forced to seek shelter in what is the most ominous house <laughs> I've ever seen. Like it's it's horrifying. Yeah, and there's there they they stop before they get to the house. They they see all of these weird symbols that are caught, ca- which like come yeah, on. <laughs> that are carved into the trees around this house. Again, this is what gave me strong blur witch vibes. Uh, is them coming to, them coming upon this house in the middle of the forest, kind of the symb- symbology, symbology uh, of the whole thing. Definitely some Blair Witch vibes. Yeah, this whole sequence within this cabin, it's brief, but they definitely, even though this is, never goes into the territory of being a like um, like a handheld home video style movie, like a Blair Witch, because of the, the usage of like flashlights and like they keep the lighting very stark, it still it has that kind of raw ferocity to it at times. Definitely, I uh, this is my favorite uh, in the entire movie is this this whole cabin sequence. Yeah, it's really gritty and like even like there's this as they enter this cabin. I mean, right off the bat, you just it's not even like this is like a hands or um like a Goldilocks scenario where they stumble upon this beautiful cabin and are like lured. No, this cabin like it screams like people die here. <laughs> like this, yeah. and um, the character of Phil goes upstairs and he opens one of the, the the rooms and finds the like most horrifying straw statue I've ever seen. And like again, yeah, just the craziest effigy ever. Yeah, effigy exactly. And it's like get go. I don't care if it's storming. I don't care. Like it could be the trees could be ablaze, but like just go because this is not a good place to be. No, it's like a it's like a decapitated human, but it has like antlers sticking out of its head and neck. It's yeah, I my ass Roger would have been out of there. Oh, gone. I would not have stayed. It's it's like standing on chicken feet. Like and they're even like they're like this is witchcraft. Like <laughs> Roger, Roger, don't shit yourself. You know damn well you'd be trying to get a selfie in front of it so you could post it on Instagram, recreating it like on either side. Like Chris and I are like sitting kissing on it. Um, yeah. Oh my god, I'm done. If you can't beat them, join them, and that's what this whole movie is about, guys. It really is like if you can't beat them, join them, and they really want a specific character to join them, and. uh but this character maybe can beat him. <laughs> the, the, wait, but the, if the if the fucking thing, this monstrous statue, wasn't enough, we also forgot to mention that there's these symbols hanging all throughout the house. Oh sure. Oh, this house. There's not a piece of decor in this house. Like this house, it's not even like they went with like a rustic chic. It is like <laughs> it is like wooden walls. Uh, effigy. <laughs> casual effigy. Casual effigy and like cult utensils. And imagery, and that's it. And that's like literally all this house has, has to offer to it. Um, mind-boggling that they stayed in this house. It, it baffles me why they stayed. But I guess what do you do when you're in the middle of a goddamn monsoon? So they end up staying the night. And um, we have what is basically the first sequence of something that starts to become a trend throughout this film, which is a f- something else the Descent kind of delved into flashbacks to 
the initial moment of trauma within the film. The character of Luke, while staying in this location, this cabin, he has a nightmare that very much recreates the events at the beginning of the film. And one thing about this movie I love is how they manage to create this surreal dreamlike state that the creature what ends up being, yes. I mean, like, let's yes. be real. It's a fantasy horror and it is a, it is a monster feature. It's a creature feature. Mm-hmm. What it does, its power is to kind of alter the minds of the individuals it's honed in on. And to kind of take them into this like dreamlike world where they 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 basically like in the Luke in the case of Luke he's taken back to the night of his trauma and he keeps kind of reliving it over and over. I fucking love the way they incorporated this in into the reality. He's Me in. too, for sure. I mean, if we can even just talk about practicality, like set design, like with that liquor store inside of that forest and the way that it melded together, it was so dope. And in points like very subtle and other points like the, you notice the ground is like soil, right. but like it's completely laid out. Exactly. And he has this dreamy moment where he kind of recreates his steps from the liquor store and he picks up the, the same exact liquor bottle. He notices a blood, a droplet of blood in it. And then he has this moment where he looks over and all of the sudden, all of the shelves in front of him just blow back and start to knock back into this phenomenal reveal of him being in the woods and I loved the way that this sequence was just executed. It's just eerie. It's cerebral. It's so well played. It's surreal. Yeah, it's surreal. Surreal looking. It's it's pretty cool. But he's outside and he 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 he's screams and he notices that he has like this puncture on his chest. His chest is bleeding and there's like three puncture holes mm-hmm. on his chest. And then all of a sudden he hears Hutch scream. So he runs back in, inside to the cabin and Hutch is like on the floor fucking in a, in hysterics and, and he he stands up and he's, he's pissed himself. <laughs> I find nothing scarier that in a, like a movie, like if they want to make it feel gritty and real, make the person piss themselves. Like it, have someone piss themselves because in moments of sheer fear, someone's peeing down the leg, you know it. And this just made it all the grittier in my opinion. Yeah, and then fucking Dom is is there in the corner in his in his boxer shorts crying for his wife. So obviously we we are getting the fact that this is like a group experience nightmare. Like yeah, like this uh, everyone in this group has had some effect of of being in this house because lo and behold, they run upstairs because they notice Phil is gone and they hear a, a noise upstairs so Luke goes up and finds Phil butt ass naked kneeling in front of that fucking altar. Ugh. So creepy. So creepy. They should have just burnt that fucking thing down when they got to the house. True. Yeah. Um, and like the way this moment plays out, like the, he's he's basically positioned in the exact same with his arms up in the same kind of stance as the actual statue. Um, and when he when he comes to like, he's not even aware of what he's doing. Um it, they were all, they all experience this exact same thing together, but they don't discuss it right away. There's a point later where they opt to that I actually very much like that scene, but they don't. They kind of just all get dressed sure. and like they don't talk about like. And I'm like I like I get it. Like if I woke up butt ass naked in front of a goddamn like fucking demon goddess statue, like <laughs> I'm I would have things I'd wanted to talk about, but I don't know when I would be ready for it. Like it is, it's a lot. That's a lot. Especially if I have, if I pissed my pants. Yeah. 
Oh my god, it's it's creepy. I loved that. It's super creepy. I just love that whole concept of them all in the shared space, all experiencing the same thing, but differently. So they were all having their own version of this nightmare, whatever this trauma was, whatever this terror was, they were all going through it individually, woke up, realized they were all doing it, and then we're just like, uh, fuck, let's get out of here. Yeah, and let's not fucking talk about it, because men can't talk about their feelings. Naturally. Uh, but they are out of there, and understandably so, and they they rush to leave only to realize that like all of the trees outside of the house are also marked with the same Nordic like <laughs> carvings, like which they consider to be a warning, which I mean, like, of course, like this does not seem like a safe place to be by any means. Uh, so Dom spots this path. And like, even though it doesn't go in exactly the direction they're supposed to go, he insists on following it because a path means civilization. So like, I get it, but I also think it's extremely like bad planning. Like, this is already witch people. Like, I mean, these mountain people, you know they're up to no good. You already all felt a group possession. Like, I would say stick to the fucking plan. So Dom is really the reason that things go, like, off course. And this is the moment where Phil suggests that they discuss what happened. Because he's like, it's fucking weird. What happened? Um, And Hutch tries to blow it off as just a nightmare. And Phil disagrees. And this is, like, a moment where we really start to see some of the tension within the group rise up, which becomes escalates more and more. But I like this moment that like Phil is very much wanting to acknowledge something just happened. And you have another character who's responding completely with just denial. That's exactly what would happen, you know? Yeah, because Phil is like, I don't care if it was a nightmare or not. There's no way I would have done that. Like that. I know, I know myself. I would not have done that. This wasn't a nightmare. There was something else at play. And Hutch is shutting him down. He's like, no, it's just, it was just a bad dream. Let's just keep going. Just let's keep going. So, and actually, as they're walking through, they do see another cabin <laughs> and, and smartly they, they ignore it and walk right by. <laughs> yeah. Right. For once they do get to a point where Dom, he needs a break. His, his knees bothering him. He has to stop and take a break. Uh, Hutch right away says, you know what? You have to push on. You can't keep doing this. <laughs> and Dom's like, oh, are you a doctor all of a sudden? Why don't you go give yourself a prostate exam and leave me alone for a minute? And they all kind of gang up on Dom at this point and tell him he ha- they have to keep moving. They want to get out of the forest. Uh, and Dom's like, no, I need a break. So in the meantime, Luke decides he's going to go up over the ridge to look to see how far he can see, to see if he can see like the end of the woods. So as he's out there, he, he runs up to the ridge. He gets out in the middle of the woods, looks on, and just all he can see is forest, you know, as far as the eye can see. And then... He starts to hear the growling and the tree branches snapping in the distance. This is what you were talking about, Roger. You kind of get a you kind of get a a, a, a frame of the, the the forest, and you you it's kind of blurry, so you can't really see what's going on, but you can hear it, and you can hear the growling as he's looking into the forest. And all of a sudden, you do see something like there's a large growl, a branch snaps, and you do, you you get a glimpse of this large figure. And that's it. It's it's quick. It's like a split second. You don't even get to see hardly anything, but it's very unsettling. If you look, I mean, first of all, this is, I was already enjoying the film, but this is the moment when I watched it the first time that I was like, sign me the fuck up. Like, this is my kind of horror. I love the, uh, the simplicity in this scene. Like, it's just a matter of like, you know the viewer at this point because they've seen this kind of shot over and over. You're waiting for something. So you're just looking really closely to see if you can see something. And all of a sudden there's that motion 
of this way like bigger than you anticipated as the viewer. But one thing I really love about this scene is he's going through the woods. It's mostly like a pine tree kind of tree. And then he enters an area that's, it's completely different. It's like a fine line and it becomes this completely different kind of tree. And it shifts the whole tone of the scene for a moment. And then as you're looking and you're focusing, Troy, I don't know if you, you caught this, but there is a hand. Oh yeah. The little tiny hand. Yeah. There's a Ooh. hand on the edge of the tree and it's the fingers slip around and it's very hard to see it unless you're like focusing on the right area because it's so discreet. Um, it, it's very easy to miss it. So you've got to look really close, but there's this hand like gripping the edge of the tree and it starts to slink around before you see the thing move forward. And it's just like this little subtle detail, but it just makes my skin crawl. It makes me think of like, if you think of some of the classic like uh, Asian, like Japanese horror, like like when you think of things like the ring with the hand starting to come over the edge of the well, moments like that, you know, it, it makes your skin crawl and it's, it's so well executed. They do such a great job with this moment. Well, yeah, they do, they do this same kind of effect a few times throughout the movie where the thing that you would normally be looking at is already there. You just can't see it. And Yeah, and it's because of its its shape and its size and its structure. It just kind of blends in. And at times, like, you don't even anticipate it to be part of what you're looking at until it's suddenly moving. And that makes the thing that much more intimidating, you know? Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you just see that it's huge just as well. You just know it's something. it's something huge. So he he runs back to the group and tells the others that he just saw something in the woods. And they're a little hesitant to believe him until he does finally uh, show them the puncture wounds on, on his chest. And Dom's response right away is, you probably did that to yourself. Right. Like what? He just, yeah, he just loves to agitate Luke. It's just, and, and Luke asks, why do you always have to disagree with me? And Dom says, because I don't value your opinion. What a stab in the what a stab that is, right? What a jab that is. Right? That's right. Oh, he yeah, this is such a cunt move. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Though I will say, like, when he starts calling him out, if he would have said this in a calmer manner and not been such a little bitch about it, when he's like, You probably, you know, you probably were sleepwalking and you like ran into a, a tree. Like, honestly, like the way that the puncturing is in his chest, if he would have said that to him in like a kinder, more lucid mindset. I would have actually kind of bought that and a little bit comparatively speaking to what they're about to encounter. Right. Cause there's really no explanation for what it is until you see it. And it's fucking horrifying. But like if he would have just kept his cool a little bit, I think he could have actually gotten his point across, but then all of a sudden he has to come out swinging with the fucking bitch lines <laughs> about the quality of man that Luke is. And that the fact that he basically, he is the reason that Rob is dead. Like this is what this argument builds to this. It's very insulting. And <laughs> Dom ends up getting fucking punched in like the throat <laughs> because he'd be such a bitch. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he, he blames Luke for Rob. He says, you know, you, you, how did you get out without a drop of blood on you? But yet Rob lost his life. And there is a moment before Luke punches Dom that he, Luke tells Dom, we are not friends anymore. You aren't my friend. Yeah. That was an awesome yeah, moment. It's very emotional. And then he punches him. Yeah. Yeah, he punches him in the nose, but I wish it was the throat because I I love a throat punch. But <laughs> but yeah, so he finally he just he punches him and like I get it, like good for him. Dom earned that punch. So uh, the fear and paranoia at this point I think is really starting to kick in with all the characters. We're getting all these little tensions flaring up between everybody. 
which is making it just that much more uncomfortable. But they're still kind of powering through it. Um, and as night falls, they discover like a piece of fabric underneath like a layer of dirt. And so they pull it out and they find what is like an old cloth tent buried uh, in, in under like leaves and soot. And in the tent, they find a wallet uh, with with like a photo of a family and a credit card that is, they state, expires 1984 to show that this is how long this has been here. And basically, there's no way that anyone just would just up and leave their shoes and their wallets. Whoever was there in that tent obviously had to have met their demise in that forest. So just another little detail that just makes things like, oh, fuck, we're fucking fucked, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that the, this is not the only time that something like this has happened, right? Yeah, and Hutch states that they're they're safe because they registered at the lodge, but like the morale is still it's plummeting at this point, and like understandably so. Rations are getting low. Dom's knee is legitimately badly wounded; like he's bitching, but it looks horrible. Yeah, there's that scene where um, Hutch gives Dom a piece of whatever the snack is, and. He sees uh, Dom has his pant leg pulled up and you see his knee is literally all red and bruised. Looks pretty damn painful. So, you know, his bitching, you know, at least he might have a reason for it because that looks pretty painful. Um, Luke is smoking and he, he hears the movement again coming from the woods. It's been a, it's happened a few times now where he has heard the audio of, of something lurking in the woods around them. And so there's this moment where he's in his tent and he turns off his light and he hides himself. Like he sits quietly and kind of waits as the audio of something massive, what sounds like to be an elephant, stops by his tent. And so he finally unzips, he peeks out uh, and and there's nothing. However, he hears it coming again. And so he kind of hides himself as it moves around the edge of the tent. And as he pokes his head out again, in what I think is a great fucking startle moment. The tent across from him, which is, um, um, oh my god, uh, what is it? H- What's his name? It starts with an H. Hutch. 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 I keep wanting to say Huck. <laughs> Hutch. Uh, he's sitting across from Hutch's tent, and all of a sudden, out of like nowhere, it just like fucking gets yanked away. And again, it just, I, I jumped out of my fucking seat. It scared the shit out of me. Oh, who are you yeah. telling? <laughs> but uh, yeah, and he he sees then he but it, it cuts to him seeing another vision of Rob being killed in the liquor store in the liquor store. Yeah, and this time the guy that hits that killed uh, Rob actually looks right at um, Luke and says, "Coward." And when he looks at him and makes eye contact with him, there's this this very simple and subtle effect on the eyes that give them this kind of like golden tint, which ends up making sense later. But it's definitely a striking moment. Yeah, and then he wakes up to hear Phil screaming. They he runs out of his tent and they are Phil's going ballistic saying it took him it took him and they look over at uh, he looks over at Hutch's tent and it's like pretty much destroyed they hear Hutch scream in the distance and like like the growling so they uh, take off to go look for him um, and Dom actually goes after him and is like don't be stupid don't just you know run willy nilly into this forest we have to stay where we're at we have to get our bearings go back to the tent. And figure out what the right way to go is. Let's not be, you know, let's not be hasty and just take off and get lost, which makes sense, right? So it cuts to the next morning and they're hiking through this serene forest now. 
you know, it's calm. It's, it's, it's morning. So it's kind of bright, uh, still kind of dreary. And as they're hiking, they come across Hutch's body now gutted and hanging in the trees. Man, this is when I think this film does really, really well is when it decides to have it, it's moments. It's not like throwing them out everywhere. It's not like scare after scare after scare after scare. It's building up and building up until they'll give you this, what is oftentimes actually a quite graphic reveal. Um, But there's a lot of of moments of, of slow burning suspense between these rather gory sequences. So they time their scares and their shocks really well. Um, And this moment I love because Dom starts screaming at the top of his lungs uh, each man responds differently. Luke starts like breaking down, crying, um, and it's just very like hopeless. It's a really effective scene. One thing that I find intriguing at this point, I started to, I would say, this is when I started to realize that this, the villain, the antagonist, whatever it is at this point, because you still don't know, it's clear that it's bringing up these kind of like hallucinize this uh, hallucinations that the character of Luke is having. And you start to find out that other characters, when they dreamed, they saw their own kind of visions. It seems to be kind of like a power of this creature to kind of manipulate or cause one to hallucinate based off of their their own fears. They're, yeah, they're freaking out. Phil basically says that it, it it's it's been following them since they left that house. And Luke is like, oh, I saw, he tells him he saw the creature in the woods. And of course, Dom doesn't want to believe him. It's like, no, no, it's just hillbillies fucking with us. They, they continue, they continue, find a stream so they can get a drink. Dom has a moment where he insists on burying Hutch that like, it shows how each man has a different way of kind of coping through this or they're all very opinionated. Like Dom isn't willing to work with anybody Luke has his own kind of plan. They're not really working together. Uh, they're kind of their own downfall at times. Um, but but Dom is super insistent on setting up this very elaborate burial site, which took, I'm sure, far too long. Uh, like, they do not need to be wasting time. Like, I, he will be missed. Hutch will be missed. But you guys got to keep fucking moving. But, like, by the end of it, there's... This man is buried under so much... So many fucking pine branches and, like... <laughs> It's a huge burial site. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's just like, love you, man, but uh, gotta go. You gotta survive. <laughs> gotta, yeah. So yeah, when, when, after they find that stream, Luke decides he's going to go up ahead and see again if he can find the end of the forest, if he can at least see where the forest ends. He does go down there and he sees, this is like the first glimpse we see of like off in the distance, we see like this path of burning torches, which to me, that would freak me out. Just to be in the middle of the woods and then just see all of these, like off in the distance, all these burning torches, like forming a path. I'd be like, yeah, we got to get that. No, that would be a a hard no. Yeah. And you could tell that he's instantly like suspicious of it. Cause like, this is the, the point of the evening where like the sun is really starting to just now set and you see the light, like diminishing as he starts going back down through the woods to tell the guys of what he discovered. So as he gets further in the woods, it gets darker, like right away. Mm-hmm. And you see the character of Phil turn on his flashlight. And there's this really brief conversation where Luke 
asks him what he's doing because they've been trying to hide their lights at this point. And Phil says um, that they heard something. And as soon as Phil turns, and this is one of those moments of you don't see it that it's there until it's there. Mm-hmm. Phil turns with the flashlight. You see the beam of light move. And all of a sudden he is yanked. Got him. Violently yanked into the woods. And what is one of the most effective moments in the, the film, I would say? Like you see the flashlight spinning around in the shadows and you hear screaming. And it's just like every time they set up one of these big sequences, this movie, I think, hits. Yeah, it's highly effective. You see, yeah, you see the flashlight like fly out of his hand and start spinning around. Uh, and all you do is hear him like being dragged away and, and screaming. Yeah, it's definitely pretty unsettling. He turns to run and like he said, runs Mac into a tree uh, and then has. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. He turns around to take off running, hits, hits a tree, but then it, it causes him to kind of have another vision of the, the liquor store robbery. But it's he snaps out of it when he hears the creature growling really close to him. And he does see Dom like cowering behind a, a, a big fallen log. He goes over to Dom and tells him, hey, I may have found a way out, but it's going to involve you running. Do you think you can run? And Dom's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's like, on three, we're going to take off. Okay. And they count to three and they hesitate a, a second but they do take off running and, and the thing does start chasing him you hear you hear branches breaking and growling and the creatures chasing after him and they they sure do get to this torch lit path pretty quickly considering just a minute ago it looked like it was miles off in the distance that is a very good point Troy. yeah <laughs> But they get there pretty quick. They find the they they find the path lit by torches. They also see Phil's body hanging from a tree. This time they don't stop though to do any funeral. They take they keep running. Right. One thing this film I think really excels at is for like a large majority of the film, they opt to show very little of the creature. Uh, which is I works which works strongly in its favor, I think. Um, but th- where a lot of these moments are coming from, and what's making it seem so terrifying and intimidating is a lot of it, like you know it's huge. You don't know what it is. You just know it's massive. And it's because like a lot of these scenes when they're running through the woods now and everything, you see like the treetops behind them like arching and billowing and, and bending and cracking. And it's just like, it's not like they're being even chased by like a lion or like, a, I know, okay, I don't know if there's, there's not lions in Sweden, but like a bear, like this could be a bear. No, this is, this is like triple <laughs> the size of a fucking bear. It's like the size of a moderate sized house right, moving sure. <laughs> through the woods and it's like leaving aftermath. And so it just makes it so like, even though they show you so little of it, it's the fear factor is palpable because you just know it's hulking. It makes it even more ominous and foreboding because you don't know exactly what it is, because you don't know what it looks like. You're just seeing motherfuckers get yoinked from nowhere. Just like, what, what, what? Oh my God. That that flashlight scene, I remember like the first time I saw that movie, I, I, I'd already been frightened a few times. I'd been startled. There was a really good startle moment right before that of when Luke starts to scale the hillside um with the guys and they're like just climbing and in the distance you have one of those shots you mentioned earlier chris of like all of a sudden what looks to be a tree just moves yep mm-hmm. i know what you're and it's about, it's yeah. so it's oh it just makes my skin crawl but then like 
oh man, that flashlight, that build up to that moment with the flashlight, because you know something's going to happen, but it just hits out of nowhere. I like mm-hmm. jumped out of my fucking seat and gave a whoa. And like, I always remember that about this movie. This is a movie that made me like verbally respond to get that out of me this day, like this day and age like at, at 35 <laughs> like i mean t- for any horror movie to get me to react that way it's doing something right you know yeah yeah they they continue down the path and find a fucking cabin you would think they would have learned their lesson from that first cabin they ran into but no they go right into this cabin uh there's some creepy folk music playing on a record player and they see the symbols all throughout this cabin. And all of a sudden it's kind of awkward, awkwardly done, but apparently they get knocked out. I think it works for the moment because they are so like, they're, they're disoriented. Their senses are so fucking heightened after being chased by a fucking like skyscraper <laughs> like through, through the woods that I think like it's what like they literally, they get in there. They like just stumble onto the floor and they look up and bam, they're knocked out. But um, it is, it's very like disorienting, but it works because it makes sense. Um, what's surprising enough, they wake up in the same room together and moving forward, like the rest of these scenes, they're the only two left of the group. I appreciate that the two of them shed a lot of their animosity towards each other like they seem to genuinely care about each other's well-being like there is a few moments of them like butting heads and getting in each other's throats because they were stressed but at this point like they kind of have tossed that aside so i i do appreciate that dom is nearly not nearly as annoying the second half of the movie as he was the first half for me definitely it's also essentially the first time in the film you see where any kind of foundation of friendship could have come from with them you know what I mean? Like they they're never friendly really towards each other throughout the movie. This is the first point where you're like, "Oh, oh, oh, so you, oh, you do care about each other." Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, cuz you know what, going back to the very beginning of the film, there is a comment that Dom makes to Rob while they are in the liquor store where he says about Dom, he's like, "Man, he's really uh what's what does he say? He's really let himself go or, or something like that where you, you kind of get the first hint that they're oh yeah relationship yeah i can't remember exactly what he says yeah and he's like oh uh, yeah it must be really hard being a big successful businessman like yeah 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 he yeah. says something like very condescending yes yeah, snarky uh, yeah yeah so you kind of right away if you were paying attention got the 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 indication that there is sort of some turmoil in their relationship so it is nice then to towards the end of the film to see them at least uh, trying to maybe not mend a friendship but 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 do what they can to to survive um, but it doesn't last long because, well, Luke is able to poke a, a hole through the wall of the cabin. And he looks out and he sees all these townspeople erecting like this giant wooden cross, which is never a good thing. No. <laughs> like, it is quite the display. And uh, one of the things I found really interesting about the townspeople right off the bat, and I noticed it like pretty quick, is they all have a very distinct look to them. They're all very like lanky and gaunt and gray and pale um their eyes are very like sunken in and like this comes into play way more but i know like right off the bat you notice that not only are these like towns like mountain folk but they're like either they're very malnourished or there's just something wrong with them well there's something wrong with them 
right. Yeah, I dare say. I dare say. But um, so the, the guys are trying to like develop a plan to escape. But before anything can really happen, aside from Luke starting to kind of like figure out a plan to how to get his like wrists untied, um, the door opens. Here we go, and- Roger. This is our next. Ca- this is th- <laughs> my. This, this is no. This is <laughs> dream roll. <laughs> this is April. April for our calendar shoot. Yes, this is April. Uh, I'll be the old, the, the old woman, and you can be one of the. Oh, this old woman. <laughs> oh my god, this woman! Like she is. Every movie has an icon, and this movie, she's mine. Uh, she, I, I concur. I totally. She steals agree. the show. She walks in. She's like chewing on cud. Like I don't know. She's just. Is that what that is? I was. Wondering. I don't know. She's just chewing. Like I find. I was like, where'd she get chewing gum? I know, from? but the idea of just people like that chewing motion in general, it's very it's just is she gumming? Does she have no teeth? She's just gumming. <laughs> but whatever it is, she's doing something with her jaw. She's very small. She like waddles right on up with like a chalice of water and like, you know, she gives some to Luke. Then she goes over to Dom and she's like, No. She's like, you know what? No. <laughs> like, she's like, go fuck yourself. And <laughs> He's like, oh, you thought. <laughs> this little old broad, man, she really steals the show for the few seconds that she's in it. Yeah, she's pretty funny. Also, can I say on a gay note, did you notice that her hair was crimped? I mean, there are some fashion choices going on within this wilderness facility that, like, <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> she had straight up, like, crimping iron, crimped hair. I was like, wait a second. Well, she's got a big night to get ready for because they're having a sacrifice. <laughs> right. She got, she got cute. Oh, <laughs> oh! But she, uh, she goes over to to Luke and gives him some water, right? And she pulls down his shirt to see his wound, and then she shows him that she has the exact same, right? The exact same wound. Um, goes over to Dom, won't give Dom any water, but instead ha- has these two henchmen of hers uh, take Dom out of the room. They bit, they hit him in the head first and then drag him upstairs so we get this like prolonged scene of luke having to listen to dom scream from upstairs as this thing is like growling and bashing around it's it's actually pretty unsettling and you hear like this strange like chanting at times it sounds like like norse or something like it's very like deep and like i don't know if that's what they're listening to on their fucking recording or whatever but it just adds to the whole discomfort i'm experiencing over the course of this um but then surprisingly enough they do bring dom back and he is beaten and bruised but he is still alive Uh, he does come back into play yeah you do but you do for you before that Another broad comes in. This is my girl. I love. I love this mountain woman. I, I don't know. I think I, I, I'm just gonna call her Wendy. She looks like she'd be a Wendy. Sure, I see that. I see that for her. She is. She's very like. Yeah, she's very like lanky. She's got like blonde straw like hair and a gaunt face. So now going back to what you were saying earlier, Roger, do you think that that is the woman from the wallet? In the oh my voice? god, man. You know what? Now I need, I don't even have that note here. This is you being a fucking genius. I fucking hope so. Uh, like I mean, <laughs> that would really throw me for a loop because if you notice, one of the the, the mother in that photo does have she blonde, has blonde hair. hair. Oh my god, Chris! This is why we have you on. That could be, and, and we know we basically we know that you know they are they don't age because of this whole ritual they do. Exactly. So and it makes sense that she still looks fairly young. Yeah. She, 
she has a very uh, how can I word this? I I like this character just fine. She only has like two scenes, but she really is simply introduced for the sake of like moving the story along and giving some exposition. And it's like, okay, girl, like, why are you helping this man? Like, why are you, or not even helping, you're kind of just narrating to him so he better understands what's going on. But, like, I think, like, it's she's fine for what she is, but I'm confused as towards why she has these moments with him. Like, Well, yeah, there is, a, if I were to say anything about this movie that I wasn't super pleased with, it was this whole, like, third chunk where a lot of it felt, it felt a little bit, um, a little rushed, a little bit spoon-fed. Like you said, that woman was kind of just there just to be like, yo, this is what's up. This is what's going on. And then no background, no character development, no nothing as far as that goes. Yeah, yeah. And for a film that up to this point has the moved so like, there's only been one story we've been really following and it's this group of characters and like it, they've just been kind of wandering and dying. And all of a sudden now we're at a point in the film where they're in this village and there's like a ritual happening and like sh- any, any understanding we, the viewers are getting are from this woman that's get, like solely having dialogue to narrate it. Um, I would have liked maybe a little more time in the village. Oh, one, 100%. Absolutely. I, well, I was thinking when I was watching this, I was like, I wish that that last third could have been pushed to about the halfway point, because then we could have delved a little deeper into the background of that world that we were eventually taken into. You know, if we had, if we had gotten there closer to the halfway point, we would have gotten more story, more character development, and just like plainly like cool, creepy, folky horror stuff that we didn't get that much of because it was just in that last one third. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do agree. I think the ending is a little bit rushed and it would have been really interesting to be able to spend some more time, like you said, Chris, with these town people and, and kind of get a glimpse of like their daily life. Like all we, all we see from them or all we know of them now with this particular film and and how it's presented is that their sole purpose is to find people to sacrifice to this, this creature. That's and that's literally all we know. They really don't have any other purpose, but they they've been in these woods for for years and I can't imagine that that many people are like hiking through this particular spot so that they right. are constantly like I I can't imagine there's a barrage of victims <laughs> parading through their little town on a daily basis. What are they doing outside of that? You know, what does their life consist of? Yeah, how do they like survive on a day-to-day yeah does this thing just just does this entity that we're introduced to like live amongst them in that's peace? exactly <laughs> like, that's kind of like give me i'm not saying like they do a really good job of what it, what we are informed about this weird little fucking troop living in the middle of the woods sacrificing people what i see from it i like it i yes. just want more yes like i want to see like give me a director's cut of the ritual tell me there weren't more scenes with that woman like I'm sure there's a seat of her on like a rocking chair or something. Like, <laughs> give me all of it. I want to know everything because yeah. I'm sure there's stuff that had to have hit the cutting room floor that maybe like slowed the pace down but gave more exposition. And at my own curiosity, because I'm so entranced with where the story is going, I just want to know about why and why these people choose yep, to be me here. Too. I would tell you. I would tell you to read the book. Do we get more background in the book as far as these? People there's go? a little bit more. Uh, admittedly, not much. But I think enough to satisfy you in terms of like the questions that you have about this particular film. 
and, and how it's presented and what was what was what was eventually like brought into the screenplay for this film versus what was left out of the novel. I would say definitely read the book, check it out, um, or at least like read the last fifty pages of the of the book. <laughs> Troy, was that was that woman in the book? There is a townswoman <laughs> in the book. Yeah, the ty- the yeah. small one. Well, I mean, it's really hard to to gauge if it's like that particular woman. There's there is a older woman in the book. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I don't Good. think they describe her as being like you know three. Foot. They don't say that she has crimped hair. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't have crimped hair. She ain't, she ain't ready for her night out on town. She looks like a little <laughs> like a little California raisin woman. I oh, she's so adorable. <laughs> she's adorable. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Um, but yeah, so basically, at this point, uh, thanks to this woman's. <laughs> exposition i mean luke is getting ready for a yeah she, she comes she comes in and she's like you're being prepared for sacrifice tonight it'll be over soon <laughs> she's got four and lines like, and it's a, like, like that. A second, literally like one of the four things this woman says is like there's going to be a sacrifice get ready like thank you for that very blunt piece of information <laughs> and then and then dom is brought back at this point which what did they, I guess they just took him up to beat him and and get the monster? Well, they took him up. They took him upstairs to that that creepy room. I want to know what goes on in that creepy. That's room. where all the chaining and stuff was coming yeah. from. I know. Like I would have liked to have seen. I think it was cool the way they did it. But well, like, we did. He, we went up there. I, I, I'm saying like when he gets taken upstairs and presumably beat, it's all done through audio. Like you don't yes, see what happens yeah. upstairs. Like I want to see. Are they just beating this guy with pipes? Is that is that is the creature coming in and the creature just like punching him? Like I mean, my right. my impression. You want to know my impression? My impression was that they took him up there, and then the but uh, hold on, the creature's <laughs> fucking huge. So how is it? How did the creature go? Yeah, no, go, the, go the up in that little room. There. Well, not like that. But if he came back, don't you think he'd be like, oh my god, this. The thing that beat the shit out of me was terrifying. <laughs> Maybe it was just looking in through the window. I don't know. Does he- <laughs> I think I think they brought him up to that creepy upstairs room where presumably, I'm assuming that all of those were like all the elders of the village who weren't fully dead yet, which I'm sure we'll get to whatever. But uh, I'm sure they brought him up there and did the beginning of whatever the sacrifice ritual is. Yeah. Yeah, you know? that's true. I thought maybe they were bringing him up there to do some sort of what I don't know. This is probably the wrong word, but like t- test to make sure that he was the he was the one that the actual uh, creature wanted sacrificed okay. because Dom, as we find out, is or not Dom Luke, as we find out, is is kind of the chosen one. Right. Yeah. He has the mark of the beast. He's the one that gets to live. So I thought maybe they took Dom up there to make sure that he was the proper sacrifice so that like the monster could like sniff him out and be like, yeah, this is the motherfucker I want. <laughs> I mean, re- regardless of what the intention is, I still thought it was artistically done in a way that like, you just hear the screams and everything through the floor. And like, I didn't really need to see it. Like I've already seen some, sure. some quality moments of terror over the course of this film. I like that it picks and chooses like it's big moments because there are a couple of big moments coming up here. So I don't know if we necessarily needed a big gory bloodbath leading up to what's about to happen, which is pretty fucking mind blowing and how this all culminates. So, so yeah, so Dom is brought back down and he tell, you know, he starts to tell 
uh, Luke about what ha- what had happened in the dream he had prior when he was screaming for his wife Gail. He started to basically see all of this. He predicted in this dream that he was going to be offered up by these villagers. And right before he died, he said he saw the face of his wife Gail, and that's why he was screaming for her name um, when he was having the nightmare. Um, and that's right when it leads to into basically the villagers coming inside and grabbing him and starting to prepare him for this ritual. Uh, yeah, I do. And and Dom does tell Luke that they're going to kill me. He's very blunt. He's like, they're going to kill me. You are the one that has to get out of here. And when you get out of here, burn this fucking place to the ground um, and tell my wife. I thought this was kind of sad. It kind of me. He's like, tell my wife that I tried to get back to her. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that they get over their shit at the end of this. I think like at this point, these two are working together and it's it's sad. It leaves a bit of a lump in your throat this moment, which I, I mean, when a movie of this genre can kind of emotionally impact me in any way, uh, I take my hat off to it. Because, yeah, this is a, a tender, sad moment in the midst of a very fantastical event, you know. So Dom is t- let out. He's tied to the cross uh and to prepare for he's being prepared for the sacrifice the creature growls you can hear the creature growling in the distance and all the town folk kneel in front of the cross and kneel in front of dom who's tied to it luke is watching from the inside but he's tied up and he is trying to get out of his restraints and his his hands won't fit through the 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 restraints so yeah what he ends up doing is fucking uh, I don't know if I could do this. Let's see. I'm not. I'm not this. Oh, this no. makes this, my, my this, asshole. Yeah. Well, this is I like that. What was that movie with with James <laughs> nope. Franco? It was based on a I true story. The, the guy. Oh my god! About like forty eight hours or whatever the fuck. See, is. see, <laughs> yeah. I would be dead. This that's that's an occasion. No, I would. Not. Yeah, that's an occasion, Roger. That you, I would be dead because I would not cut anything off. I'm not going to break my finger. I'm not going to do any of that shit. I would just curl up and be like, okay, fuck it. I'm guess I'm dead. But he literally bust, breaks his thumb so that it, it's ugh, so that it's limp enough that he can pull it through the restraints. Oh yeah, my asshole was just like puckered at this point. You know, what I'm I'm like, you know what I'm saying? You get, it. I'm just, I'm not trying to be crude, but that's how it feels. Like you're just like on the edge of your seat, rocking. Uh, and, and so as this is happening, he is watching as Dominic is mounted on this like wooden pole, and Dominic, you know, I'll give it to him at the very end, looking. Fearing right in the face and screaming, if you're going to do it, do it already. Like he starts calling for them to do it. Um, and so they do. Like they all drop to their knees and he looks around and he's like, oh shit. Uh, the, there's this like orchestra of like clanking and these ominous strings. It's just, it builds so nicely. Um, Dom is waiting for this massive thing to hit at this point. And you see the trees moving and rustling and all of a sudden from the bottom, like down by the path, you see Gail appear, his wife. And she walks up to him and she takes his head in her hands and she like gives him this like warm, comforting smile, but you notice her eyes are glowing gold and it cuts to his face like in terror and it cuts back and you finally get like a clear view of the creature. And like, man, I gotta say... I am picky when it comes to a monster movie, but maybe it's because they waited as long as they did to really show it clearly. I found the reveal of this design to be like mm-hmm. fucking like horrifyingly breathtaking. It's it's unlike 
it's unlike anything I can think of within the genre. Okay, that I was going to ask you guys because you both are obviously so much more well versed in horror than I am, but I found this monster ex- extraordinarily innovative and original and unlike anything that I personally have seen before. I love that they just did something totally different. And and it works in the movie's favor, yeah. I think. What about you, Troy? It is definitely a unique looking creature. I like you, Chris, I have not seen something similar to this. I really like that they kind of the the design is definitely very uh folklorish, Nordic because it is a the body of it's like a giant elk, right? Uh, which makes sense for it being in Sweden. But then it has like like arms coming out of its mouth. It's 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 hard to explain. It's hard to explain. But it's no, it's super. That's that's part of the allure of it. Is like even as they show more and more and more of this monster, you're like, what 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 am I looking at? Like what, there's arms coming from here. That looks like a body. That looks like a fit. Like it's it's so cool. It's so intricate. What I think really adds to the overall um, appeal for me about this is like it, it it has the torso of an elk, but once it gets to like the point of the neck, it, it kind of just is its own thing. It's unlike anything I can really explain. What I can best describe is that if you've seen the movie you'll understand this but if you're watching the movie for the first time after listening to this review um when you see the kind of um the 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 shrine piece that uh phil prays to the the statue earlier in the film Mm -hmm. it's the bust of that is like the secondary torso of this creature that extends from like what would be the one part of the body's forehead it has like two faces that like form different shapes oh for sure it's definitely like an amalgamation of like a bunch of weird fucking things in a bunch of weird places yeah and it's like human-like elements but as animalistic yeah. elements the arms at times become antlers like it's it's breathtaking like it is such an intricate and well thought out design and because, yeah I, I agree and you can see the, the you know because of the lore it's based on you can see the um basically like the that they really took from that that they really took inspiration from that and created something that felt very like of that belief system and and fantastical background you know mhm and apparently it talks too oh yeah it did kind of like murmur words yeah there are moments where it's it's using it's actually using the language that the town people speak in which I thought was a really interesting choice to be, to make to give this thing such a human quality that it's that it's speaking in this whatever language I don't what I, I don't know but uh, there are a few moments where it does audibly say something but it it, it ultimately yeah it, it kills Dom it slams him against a tree and impales him on a branch what a cool shot that is yeah. Though. It's like because it's yeah, one fluid cool shot. Thing. It's it, for the sequence of you see the basically what the, what the thing does is it, it it grabs onto an individual and it it uses its hallucinations to just I like intoxicate them and trance them and then it like it, while they're under its spell it takes them over to a tree and it mounts them on the branches through like through their torsos, killing them. So it's like, that's how it's offering is that's the ritual. That is the ritual that thus I'm assuming the title is of the book is inspired off of. 
um, is is how it ritualistically hangs these living, you know, and I say animals because we found the deer earlier in the movie from the trees, and and it is a very interesting kill. I mean, it makes for a very visually like horrifying image of these, you know, bodies with branches like stabbing through their torsos. At one point, Dom sees the bodies of people who have, you know, this has been done to prior and they're like rotting in the trees. And it it is a horrifying graphic image. Yeah. So after that, the girl, the girl does come back in the younger girl for two other lines, because he asks her if they took Dom's body down from the tree. And she says, as you just kind of pointed out, Roger, they don't move the bodies. And then he asks her what it is. What is a creature? And she says, it's God. It's a Yochan, a bastard offspring of Loki. And I don't know what any of these things are. I'm assuming they're Nordic mythology creatures, correct? Loki is, yeah, he's Yeah, Nordic. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, basically this thing is part of that religious belief system, which is a very interesting twist to take with the whole thing with like so it's it's i think it's yota it's yotan and then loki it's the son of loki mm-hmm. or yeah and it's um i did not anticipate this movie to go that route but you know what like what movie fucking does like okay we're gonna like go nordic like mythology fuck yeah i mean they are in sweden i mean bring it on yeah <laughs> like, it's great. Yeah, they are. Like you said, they are in Sweden, so it makes sense that. Yeah, they're in Sweden, so it makes sense. Yeah, and she tells she tells him that they they worship it for eternal they worship it for eternal life basically, as long as they worship this thing and, and give it sacrifices they 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 don't age. And she says that he is the chosen one, and that his ritual begins tonight, and that will he will kneel before it, just as they did. And he like protests it, and she's like, "You will fucking kneel." Oh, you'll kneel. Um, now, since he's gotten free, he's uh, at whenever you know when she's left and everything. He does get up and start to wander the house, and he sees that the villagers are preparing outside for this ritual. So he grabs one of the torches, and he's wandering through the house trying to find an alternate way to escape. And he enters this room, and. Basically, he notices, he finds that it's filled with, like, mummified corpses. At first, they look like scarecrows. They're so they're so dried out. Yeah. Dude, they were awesome. They were so cool. It's The design here is really fucking good, especially with what happens. The design is... Oh, yeah. The design was fucking yeah, beautiful. Yeah, because as he moves through the room, he realizes that they're breathing. These things are still alive. And so while you're not... You're you're literally you're t- here. I think is another example of why I would have liked a little more time and exploration within the village is because I am literally going off of one of the four lines of dialogue. Blonde woman said, "This thing gives us a- eternal life." Okay, this is I. What I'm assuming is by eternal life, I don't mean a life where I look beautiful and preserved for all time, like a vampire. I eventually like I dry out and I become a living husk. Just like right. that's the way I interpret it, and yeah. and I don't want that shit. Like I mean, so you all got you already look <laughs> malnourished and gaunt. Let alone these fucking like living handkerchiefs in here that would blow away at a windstorm. Like yeah, there's all these old these old gals like <gasps> like screaming. They all start screaming. So he lights them on fire and like. <laughs> 
I, I would too. Like they look like they yeah. go up real fucking easy. They did. They went up real quick <laughs> because they're made of fucking like tissue paper. But um, yeah. it it really is like they're they're quick to once you're in this village and you start getting little bits of exposition. They're just handing it out, handing it out, plowing towards the finale, and they're really quick to just dish out that line. This thing gives eternal life. I would love to have had a little bit more build up to understanding what the fuck is going on with these fuckers in the attic. Because that's interesting to me. Like, that is an in- intriguing, interesting development. And it just got skipped over so quick. Yeah. It does. It get, it gets, yeah, you, you see him, they scream, he lights them on fire. It's that's such it. a well-done sequence. But then he does run at... <laughs> I, I got a kick out of this. He runs into the old lady again. Oh, this is the best. Okay. And as he, as he's leaving the room after he set these these fucking old bo- bo- mummified bodies on fire, he runs into the old lady. She's just like standing there glaring at him, and he fucking punches her in the face. Just socks her straight <laughs> in the face. <laughs> she doesn't do. I mean, like you know, eventually she would have done something, but it's like a moment where like they just make eye contact, and she doesn't respond. She just like looks at him. He looks at her. She looks at him, and he fucking punches her. And it is comedic because like this woman is so frail. Like she went down like a bag of socks. This poor old thing. <laughs> I I loved it, and you know, good on him. Good on him. I don't trust any of these fucking people. Yeah, no, especially her. Let's that little fucking here. bitch. <laughs> um, so, so um, he he arms himself with a fucking shotgun. Like he's he's ready to get the fuck out of here. And this house that's made of like dried sticks, it's like it is going up in flames like a motherfucker. This house is about to go down. <laughs> Well, yeah, the town folks notice notice it's on fire, uh, but before they can do anything, the creature comes prancing in, and they have to kneel to it. Apparently, every time this creature shows up, they have to they have to drop to their knees. Feels right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and he don't give a fuck. He's pissed because the ritual is not going to plan, and so he just fucking starts killing them. Like he just. <laughs> well, he knew. He knew it was that blonde bitch. Oh, he knew. He knew that she. her four lines of dialogue were spent pre-warning Luke about what's about to happen. So he knew she was a snitch. And snitches get stitches, or in this case, they get their eyes removed. Or they get dead. Um, <laughs> but there are a few really cool shots as all of this is building up that like Luke will look outside and he'll just see like bodies getting lifted up. Like it's... It's a massacre, and it's pretty fucking horrifying. And as he's getting his gun, like, loaded, one of the villagers, like, approaches him. And, like, and in, like, a very not intimidating way, just is, like, starting to, like, walk towards him, being like, hey, everything's okay. And he fucking, <laughs> like, blasts this fucker in the gut. The guy goes flying through the air. Like, it's so much more graphic than I anticipated. <laughs> Yeah, and he sees this is when he sees the creature, like gr- the girl, the blonde girl, get lifted up by something outside and thrown back down. And when she's thrown back down, she has like no eyeballs. Yeah. This leads into what I would say is probably one of the single most effective reveals of the creature over the course of the movie. One thing that really impresses me about this film is like we've seen a lot of takes on like the the monster movie at this, at this point in time. And and a lot of them are starting to rely on CGI and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And like this film does use CGI, but because it does a take on the, on the monster movie, that's so original and so unique and it does it really well. It, I think it really hits it out of the park. I have to say at this point, like having seen the creature clearly, in my opinion, 
one of the best single best creature designs I can think of in the last 20 years. They really are smart with their usage of shadow. They they pick and choose when they show it. At the end, you do get a couple shots that you see it clear as day, but you can tell like a lot of fucking money must have gone into that because it it looks pretty seamless. Oh, like, yeah. That it moves naturally for being something so fucking elaborate. So like they did a phenomenal job def- designing and creating exactly what this thing is. Because when you do see it, it is very intimidating, very breathtaking. And it's horrifying because you still, even seeing it clear dead on, you're still like, what the fuck am I looking at? Well, yeah, he got, because Luke goes outside finally to get out of the burning cottage. And we yeah, we, we do see this thing in, in full glory. Um, and it's hard to explain. Like I said, it's like a, like a moose-like thing, but it has antlers and arms coming out of everywhere. Uh, so he runs into the forest and we do get like, more liquor store hallucinations as he's running through the forest. Like now he's seeing that he's running through the liquor store uh, one last time before the creature grabs him and like slams him to the ground. Uh, And you think it's going to kill him, but it actually just picks him up and like forces him to kneel. Yeah, that was cool. I liked that moment where it just kept like smashing him down on the ground being like kneel, kneel, submit, kneel. Yeah, and then it gets up on all, it gets up on its hind legs and just like starts. That was so cool that was i mean that's when you really saw this monster in all of its glory when it got up onto its hind legs and went into that pose oh that was so cool it forms like this almost like totem of yes 100 of like just all these different like animals and entities like there's so much going on within it and it does look so grand and so powerful like when they say it's a god they really make this thing feel like an entity that is just so much more powerful than anything else around it. Um, And it does make it just very intimidating. I mean, like I can't think of a a better word to just describe how this thing is, how, how how imposing it is uh, when it's like towering over Luke. Cause it really is massive. There's a shot right before this, before he takes off running where you finally see the thing walking around in front of the burning house and you see how tall mm-hmm. it stands beside this building. And like you do finally get an idea just for the scope of how big it is. And it's one of the best shots in the film, I've got to say, because it's holding he's holding the body by the head, like getting ready to mount it. And yep. then Luke, like what I don't know why the fuck he does this, because I would have just snuck away. Ran away, yeah. He chooses to god he fucking fire the gun at it. Like I, like draw all the attention. You think you're gonna fucking kill this thing? It's a god. This is a god. This is a god. Like, but so yeah. Then he takes off. He has the hallucinations, the hallucinations, and um, it gets to this praying moment where the creature is basically demanding that he submit. And I mean, one thing about this film is, is it does a pretty phenomenal job of giving us not only this really like again human and emotional story arc for the character of Luke, the painful journey that he's going through. But everything that at this point that that creature represents for him in this moment and beating him down and demanding that he submit and he he fucking overcomes this thing and overpowers this thing. And the representation in that in this movie, it is very clear what this stands for and very elegantly handled. And it's not just a horror movie at this point. It really is. It's a fable. It's a beautiful piece of folklore. It's so well crafted. 
Um, and this final moment, like for that to be it, for this to be what he has to overcome, I love it. I love that he had this whole kind of submitting moment and that he didn't back down. He picks up one of the axes from nearby and he fucking buries it into the side of this. Yeah. And it's none too happy, but he is able to take off running and he runs straight out of the forest. Finally into this giant field. Uh, The creature does follow, but we find out obviously that the creature cannot leave the woods. So it's just like standing at the edge of the field in the in the woods still like growling at him. And then he starts just basically roaring and screaming back at it. How did you guys feel about that? Man, I really took it as him at him basically like to so many things. Like, again, that creature represents so many sure. things. That was his, his finally saying, you, you did not get the best of me. You didn't get sure. me. It was like that final moment of catharsis that we were looking for from the very beginning. Yeah, where he's screaming in the face, literally screaming yeah. in the face of evil. Screaming in the face of what is standing against him and saying, I'm not backing down. I'm going to overcome this. Just like I'm going to overcome the guilt that I have. And the demons I carry with me about what happened to my, sure. my friend, I am going to overcome this. It's just going to be a fucking painful experience, you know. Yeah, I just I felt like it was just a giant release of all of these this these built up emotions that he's he's had for the past six months, uh, w- with the guilt that he's carried that he's felt uh, about uh, Rob's death and and how everyone has sort of put the blame on him that and his own personal feelings about it, that this was just his opportunity to just let it all out. Yeah. Theoretically, I liked it. I liked that moment. I just didn't think he had a very good screen. (laughs) (laughs) Add that volume. Yeah. I needed (laughs) needed a more intense screen from him, but like theoretically, I really liked it. Yeah. It was almost more like a, like a, a roar. Like he was roaring it back at it. Uh, I don't know, but it does lead to him just basically walking out of the field and you could kind of sense in his body language. I did like this as he's walking away. You kind of get the sense of his body language of, of just like relief. I'm thrilled that he survived, but like realistically speaking, what is he going to, to tell people when he, when he gets to civilization? Like, what do you say? I'm sorry. Six months ago, I went through a traumatic loss in which my, my best friend was brutally killed in front of me. And now six months later, or no, it's a year, was it a year later? A year later in, in memorial, whatever, in memorial of losing my friend, all of my friends have been massacred mysteriously. Like this fucker, like God love him, but he is going, he's going to jail. Like there's, there's no way he's going to be able to explain what just happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, uh, is that one aspect of the of the book that it, they delve into a bit, or just, is it a similar ending where he just kind of, like, survives? It feels almost like an afterthought, you know? Yeah, no, it's a, it's the book kind of ends the same. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't get any, like, epilogue or anything like that to know what happened. Um, but I'm assuming if you could find somebody to, and find, like, authorities and bring them back to these woods that they're going to find all these bodies, like, impaled in, in, in the trees. I mean, or, well, a few things with that, a- Troy. First of all, I feel like this thing ain't stupid. I feel like this thing's been doing this for a while. So either it's going to know to hide its bodies somewhere. 
it's running around grabbing the bodies off the trees. Or <laughs> this thing does strike me as being powerful enough that it could kill whatever forces were brought against it. <laughs> also, he could probably it could probably just manipulate what they are actually seeing and not see not see the bodies, not see the townspeople. Not this. Know, I feel like this film would make for only because I want to know so much more about like the mythology and what the fuck's going on with this thing. It would make for a great sequel. But again, with comparisons to the descent, the only way I can see the sequel feasibly working is the exact same storyline as the descent two, which where like the cops are like, all of your friends are dead. That's mysterious. We're going back in that cave system. Like for this, it would have to be like, all of your friends are dead. That's mysterious. We're going back in that gigantic wooded area so like i i mean i would like to see more of this though because like the creature design is so standout like i i definitely did not get tired of it by the end of the movie like they gave me just enough of it um without like making it feel like they were like you know sometimes they overshow the, the the creature sometimes you see too much of the effect it didn't feel that way with this do you guys feel the same way yeah i do yeah for sure for sure yeah. Um, but overall, man, I mean, that's the ritual. And I got to say, even with like the little bit of like the hiccups and pacing uh, issues aside for like the tail end of it, it still is like, I think, a phenomenal creature feature. It really it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it really is. Of the last, like I said, 20 years. Um, I think it's unique. It's original. It feels fresh. It feels emotional. It tells a really great story and it offers a really great design for this monster and there's great scares scattered throughout the way like i really have very few complaints overall and the acting is solid like i mean honestly across the board it gets it's not getting tens the whole way but at least it's getting eight and nines you know yeah it's a beautiful film um looks great the sound design is stellar uh acting for the most parts yeah strong uh, i yeah my only complaint would be the uh, pacing is a little off. The ending is, is quite rushed. And I feel like at least one of the four main characters really got, should have been able to have a little bit more character development. Characterization was not the strongest. I don't think, I mean, they think they spent too much time with the Dom and, uh, Luke sort of drama and not enough time really building the friendship of all four of them. Um, but that's a minor complaint. But other than that, I mean, the, the film is, is, is pretty damn impressive and certainly one of the, one of the better horror movies to come out in the last five years. Yeah. I mean, like for this to be a Netflix offering, like I said, like maybe I've just seen too many like overly glossy, glossy, overly CGI features on Netflix that I'm like, I kind of just don't give it the time of day anymore. Maybe I should, because like when I watched this, I was really impressed. And if this is the kind of cinema they're offering on there, I need to give it a second guess because I really was pretty blown away by this as an overall feature. It's just a solid piece of cinema. And I think horror fans and especially creature feature fans should really treat themselves to this one and, and let us know what you think about it. Yeah. And again, give the novel a read if you want a little bit more insight, especially especially really about the mythology of the creature. I would strongly suggest reading the novel. Yeah. So, Chris, I mean, you you said going into this that this is a film that you had seen um, when trying to introduce yourself to horror 
and expose yourself to more horror. And since then, uh, what what kind of like niche genre are you falling into as a fan of, of horror in general? Are you like are you a creature feature fan? Like what what do you tend to lean towards at this point? Uh, I would say. Honestly, it's it's more so up this alley, like the ritual. Like I love, like I was telling you, anything like more um, folky, kind of uh, going along with like parables or mythology, um, anything with like witchy, spooky kind of stuff like that. I'm not huge into like demonic, uh, you know, uh, those you know, like exorcist kind of stuff. I'm not as big into those. Understandable, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely vibe with you and what you're saying and your like preferences. And I definitely like did not anticipate to like this as much. I'm happy they took that Nordic route too. It's, I feel like it's something in the genre that's just not explored enough. You know, like it's not oversaturated. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but man, I mean, thank you for coming on and talking about this with us. Um, one thing about this movie is it's really like defined by the location where it film it was filmed in. You said Romania. It's supposed to be like Sweden. But over either way, it's fucking stunning. Have you filmed out out of the U.S. yet? Uh, no. Oh, well, I filmed something in Toronto, but oh, Toronto, we love it. Um, if you could film in one like random country or anything like something like you know this this is completely based around the location Ooh. where it filmed. Where would you want to? Be? I don't know. Ooh. So just recently, I watched like three different Indonesian horrors, and. Uh, they were fucking spooky, man. I want to do something in like that jungly kind of area. It was dope. My God. Well, I mean, the it, like the unpredictability of the jungle in general. Like, I hate snakes. I hate spiders. I hate scorpions. Yeah. I couldn't do it. You're more. You're stronger than <laughs> I am. It would just be so cool. I mean, the the like three that I've watched recently were all really really cool. So, which were the ones that you watched? Ooh, it was, uh, Impedigore and uh, uh, the Queen of Black Magic. And something else. Chris, you're giving us all the titles we'll have to throw at you next time we have you on. I love how you're becoming a seasoned horror fan. My goodness, I love it. (laughs) But with you being in all these horror movies, you need to know all the lingo for when you start going to the convention. Well, that's the thing. I need to know what the hell I'm talking about. Because the gays have high expectations, don't they, Troy? Oh, God, the gays and their horror (laughs) movies are... The opinions, the opinions, my God, but... Oh, Chris, you've got, already got one really good one under your belt with Hideout. And again, I want to urge our listeners to check that out because Chris is getting rave reviews. He has more on the way. So make sure to like check out his IMDb, check out his social media, start following him. We had him uh, hawk his goods earlier. But Chris, one more time for the listeners, let's make sure they get it. Give us those social media plugs and just give us a little filler on where we can get Hideout one more time, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like we said, Hideout, it came out early November. It's on basically any streaming platform that you have. Uh, we also have uh, Airborne coming out in about a month. And then after that, we have The Sim Racer coming out. Uh, if you want to check me out on social media, my Instagram handle is C, as in Chris, W-O-L-F-E, my last name, and then M-A-N, the number four, C Wolfman 4. Yes, Wolfman. We like it. sexy sexy chris thank you so much for coming on thank you so much yeah thank you so much for having me guys i've really enjoyed this it's been a pleasure thank you thank you for discussing the ritual with us absolutely yeah yeah um so before we go uh roger do you want to let the uh listeners know what 
next week's episode is going to be. Do you remember? Um, is are what are we going with mine or are we going with yours? You, uh, my two have been done this month. Oh my god! So I, yeah, because we moved it. Yeah, up. We, oh my we had god. To, we had to move them. We just switched weeks around. So my my two picks were done already. P two and Mountain Top Motel Massacre. Oh my god, that so, completely threw me off. I actually I wasn't going to ask you because I was like, oh, he might he might have forgot. Oh my I, god! Well, you're going to simply have to edit this so I can remember. What did I say it was going to be? It's the Prowler. Oh my god, it's the Prowler! Oh, I've been talking about it for weeks. You know what? Here's what got me confused. <laughs> so when you were talking about Indonesian horror, I started thinking about like, oh, Indonesian horror, like that's so elaborate. So in my head, I was like thinking through all these titles. I was like, what have I seen that's Indonesian? Which I don't think is any. Um, but then I, I completely <laughs> like that. Like my mind is racing on those titles. I started thinking about that movie Baskin. Has anyone seen that movie Baskin? Oh, I love Baskin's cool. Yeah, that's we're talking problem. about it. No, I oh, don't. see it. It's like it's. I can't even remember. I think it's like Arabic or it's Middle it's Eastern. It's like or, I, or, Iranian or something. Yeah, I think it's. Iranian. I think it's Iranian. Yeah. Oh my! It fucking scares the living shit out of me. That's on the list. But not next week. Next week it is the Prowler. You're right, Troy. I wanted to go with something traditional because the the ritual is so like fresh and modern. It's CGI and it's got a glossy budget. And I was like, you know what, Troy, you're always picking like the classic 80s like go-tos that everybody knows. I'm going to step in on your territory. I'm going to stomp my high heel down and I'm going to say, it's my turn. I'm <laughs> claiming the Prowler. So that that's it. Yeah, next week we're doing the Prowler. That's gonna be a good the one. The Prowler will be a good one. The the special effects, whew, Tom Savini effects in that yeah. one are some of the best out of the eighties for sure. Oh, and Baskin is from Turkey. Turkey, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I'm looking oh at my it. Right God. You don't get a you don't get a lot of horror movies from Turkey, but this one is balls to the wall crazy. Oh yeah, it looks. It's crazy. like they don't they don't play with kids gloves okay like no they're diving right oh, into no. like mind fuck violent whore it's, it's violent crazy, yeah. disturbing imagery um check it out yeah we, should, we definitely should do that oh it's on, it's seriously on my list but i pushed it back and pushed it back Oh, and I wanted to let the the listeners know because last episode we said I was going to let listeners pick what I was what I was going to do for our second Patreon episode of the month. Yes, and I actually got I got actually got unanimous suggestions. So my second Patreon pick, we still have to record record our first one, which is your um, decoys, right? Oh, decoys, yes, yeah. So we'll be doing that. That'll be coming out soon, as well as our mini episode. But I'm going to. I, I'm, I'm going to pick Lisa. Oh my goodness, Lisa! How mysterious. Cheryl Ladd, Cheryl Ladd, and Stacy Keenan, an all star cast. I feel another calendar shoot coming on, Roger. Oh my God, Trey, the wardrobe alone. I can't wait. It's on Tubi, um. guys. So so check it out. It's 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 a thriller. It's the you guys remember Lisa? It's from like '90. It's the girl. The girl's making prank phone calls, and they actually call the uh, a psychopath, and he becomes. Obsessed. obsessed. Yeah. yeah. I love how confidently you're like, you guys remember Lisa. Oh, everyone like, remembers Lisa. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do remember Lisa. And I, I like you mentioned it and it took me a moment and then I, I recalled it and I was like, oh, it's been a hot minute since I, I think the last time I saw this, I was like, maybe like, I don't know, 12. Um, it's, it's the perfect title for a Patreon review. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. It'll be a fun one. But yeah, guys. So Again, let's go through this. Next up, we have Prowler on Patreon. We've got decoys dropping. We also have the best second entries in a series or, or trilogy. So the number two entry for 2022. That's going to be our mini episode. 
And uh, now we've got Lisa. Like, it's a fully stacked month over at our Patreon, so make sure to sign up. Make sure to go leave us some love and reviews over on our Apple Podcasts. You can leave them on Amazon, too, we learned. And Spotify. You, can, you, oh you can't God. leave a review on Spotify, but you can rate us. So everything helps. Everything helps, guys. But we appreciate you for listening. We appreciate Chris for taking time out of his busy evening to discuss the ritual. My so, pleasure. Until next time when we're going to be doing some prowling. Oh, my God, Troy. You're so sensual. Have a lovely, have a lovely evening. <laughs> Good night. Good night.